you. Thanks. Thank you, church. It's great to be with you this morning. I hope you're enjoying this vision series. You enjoying it? Good, good. These are, if you've been at the midweek meetings, as Richard said, you'll know these have been hugely powerful times that we've had together. I'm just so excited, really, about what God is doing in our church and in our town. What a privilege it is to be part of this right now. It, feels, it just feels like there's this real sense of momentum that God is building on things that he's done here in the past and taking us into this new season. How exciting is this? It's good, isn't it? Good. 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 Thanks, John. Um, I've been asked to preach this morning on growing ourselves and growing others. And I, I have the privilege of overseeing discipleship in the church. And, and what that means now is that whenever anything comes into the church office and people are not quite sure whose responsibility it is, someone will say, that sounds like a discipleship issue. And there's this line that's kind of come about that everything is discipleship. Everything is discipleship. Well, this morning, I want us to be thinking, discipleship is everything. Discipleship is everything. Because that's the call, isn't it? When Jesus gave the Great Commission, he said, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. Not just go and gather people. That we want as many people as possible to come and hear the gospel. But go and make disciples. Go and make radically obedient, joy-filled, faithful, courageous disciples who will go out there and change the world around us. Because you see, Jesus will build his church. But our call is to build people. To help people to grow. To point people towards Jesus and help them to follow him. And so the question I really want to ask you this morning is this, are you growing? Are you growing as a disciple, as a follower of Jesus? So John has laid out the vision um, that we believe God has given us. He's laid that out over the past few Sundays, that we're to be a diverse church of thousands that surrounds and saturates High Wycombe with the love of Jesus. A diverse church of thousands that surrounds and saturates High Wycombe with the love of Jesus. And I love that this is an outward focused vision. There's a godly conviction here that actually we're not just here for ourselves. We're here to go and bless this town that God has placed us in. But if we're going to go and surround and saturate our town, then we first need to be saturated with the love of Jesus for ourselves. So are we growing? Are you growing? I don't know about you, but I don't always feel like I'm growing. I would love my Christian walk to feel like I'm steadily becoming more joyful and more obedient and more patient and more kind and more loving from one day to the next. But maybe it's just me, but my life doesn't feel exactly like that. Sometimes it can feel like there's these moments of growth, these times of growth, but then I can kind of catch myself saying something or maybe I respond in a certain way or maybe I see... Uh, some kind of insecurity come to the surface in me and I kind of ask this question, God, am I, am I still growing? Jesus, are you growing me? Are you growing? Maybe now is a time of real growth for you. Maybe you feel really, really passionate about Jesus right now and you know that you've never been more focused on him and you've never been more involved, you've never been more purposeful in your life. If that's you, I want to encourage you to keep doing what you're doing. But also this morning, if you feel like there were times in your past where you were really growing, and maybe now there's things that for some reason seem to have stalled, maybe you've lost your focus, I want to encourage you this morning 
that as we, as we look out towards our town, this is an opportunity for us as well to look inwards, to look at ourselves and to ask the question, Jesus, am I growing? Am I doing the right things to help me to grow? And wherever you're at, as God gives us this vision for a church, this is an opportunity for you. Let's, let's take stock of the things that God says to us this morning and ask the questions, are we growing? So I'm going to read you a short passage from, from Colossians in a minute. Uh, it's going to be in Colossians 2, verses 6 to 7. So this is Paul writing to the Colossian church. And Paul is concerned for this church. He's concerned for this church. In many ways, you know, it sounds like a good church. And Paul had started his letter by saying, look, we always thank God for you. We thank God for you because we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for God's people. So Paul is encouraged by this church. But he's also concerned for this church. He's concerned that these disciples who are going so well will take their eyes off of Jesus. That they'll be kind of attracted by things that offer alternatives to the gospel, shiny alternatives to the gospel that seems to promise much, but that ultimately will deliver little. So Paul is concerned for this church. Here's what he writes to them. He writes, So then... Just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. So he writes, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord. You know, it might sound really obvious But we won't grow unless we first receive Jesus as Lord. See, it's one thing to receive him as our saviour, as our rescuer. But to receive him as Lord is quite another. To receive him as Lord is to recognise the authority of Christ. It's to recognise his right to rule over every single area of our lives. Over how we spend our time. Over how we spend our money over our decisions and our relationships and our future. It's to acknowledge that Jesus is not just one element of influence in our lives, but that we're to give him everything, that he's to be the centre, the core of our lives, that we're to submit to his authority in every area. I wonder, have you done that? Have you acknowledged Jesus as Lord? If not, then he invites you to do that this morning. He said, Paul writes about him that he is the son, that Jesus is the son, is the image of the invisible God. And he's the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Jesus and for Jesus. He's the source of life. And he's the reason for life. He's God. He's divine. So Paul writes, let's continue. As as you receive Jesus as Lord, we must first receive Jesus as Lord if we're going to grow. And then Paul writes, continue to live your lives in him. Rooted and built up in him. Strengthened in the faith as you were taught. And overflowing with thankfulness. I love Suzanne's uh, picture earlier of that um, Jenga tower. Because Paul here is writing about being strengthened and built up in Jesus. And you almost get this image of this person who's like this giant tree that's kind of been there for years and years, that's unshakable and unswayable. 
and impressive. And you know when you see a tree like that, you know that actually what's under the surface is, is just as impressive, perhaps more impressive than what you can see. Because you know that for it to be like that, for it to be so unshakable, this tree must have roots that go deep down into the ground, gathering the richness from the soil. A tree that's kind of overflowing with life. And I want to be like a tree like that. I want to be unshakable and unswayable and, and kind of life-giving to others. Do you want to be like that? We're going to look at three things this morning to do with growth and discipleship. We're going to look at kind of what we're doing as a church. Then we're going to look at what you can do and then why it matters. And as we do that, I want you to keep this kind of picture of this tree, this unshakable tree in your mind. So first of all, what is the church doing on discipleship? Well, I think it's fair to say we're being increasingly intentional about discipleship as a church. And the reason for that is because in a church of the size that we are, and in a church of thousands, the kind of church that God is calling us to be, discipleship doesn't just happen. So in a smaller church, it can be much more organic. And if you've been at King's since the early years, or maybe you've come here from a smaller church, you might have experienced this, that in a smaller church, people know each other. You can have things like church holidays and weekends away together as a church. And, and when someone's new to the church, they can be kind of invited in, invited to lunch easily. If someone's not there on a Sunday, people notice. People are known in a smaller church. Someone might get alongside someone who's kind of drifting from church and help them back into the church. But in a larger church, discipleship requires much more intentionality. So on a Sunday morning now, we have an average of about 650 people coming here across our three meetings, here and up in Hazelmere. On Easter Sunday this year, we have more than 900 people across our three meetings. How do we help that number of people to grow? Well, discipleship always happens best in community. You know, this has always been the way. The early church met together. You read about it in the book of Acts. In Acts 2, the early church met together every day. Every single day they were together. These people who had their lives turned around by Jesus were learning what it meant to follow him in the context of community. And community has always been a key part of who we are at King's. One newcomer in the early days of King's said, I'd expected that in a charismatic fellowship, gifts of the Spirit might be overemphasized. Instead, I found that worshipping and enjoying Jesus and loving one another were the keynotes. And you know, that's been my experience of Kings. When we first came here in 2005, we found a group of ordinary people who were learning what it meant to follow Jesus together. People for whom church and faith wasn't just kind of a Sunday morning thing. But they were living out their lives together, learning what it meant to follow Jesus in all the messiness and the reality of life. And you know, this kind of community is countercultural and it's incredibly attractive. Craig Rochelle is the founder of Life Church in the US, which has a weekly attendance of more than 30,000 people. And he says that the main reason people stay in a church is because they feel needed and because they feel known. Because they feel needed, there's a sense of purpose. And because they feel known, because people know them, they know who they are, they understand them and they know when they're not there. The reason people leave a church, because they don't feel needed and they don't feel known. And you know, that's why it's so important now, more important than ever, to be part of one of our small groups. Part of a group where you can encourage and support and challenge each other, being built up together as living stones. Now this term, we've got 
49 small groups that are running. And I get the privilege of hearing about some of these small groups. There's our um, Teaching English as a Foreign Language group that meets here on Thursdays. Rachel Wildsmith runs this group. It is full of life every week. For the women that come to this, it is, this is their community. And there are people on a waiting list trying to get into this because they, they want to be part of it. We have groups set up specifically to help young adults that work around the, the busy lifestyle of young adults, helping them to read the Bible and apply it to their lives. We have a group that teaches students how to cook. We have a group that teaches people how to pray and how to parent. Our, our small groups are so diverse and so rich. And there's discipleship happening in these groups. And they're run by this amazing group of leaders who are growing themselves. But now with this vision that God has given us to be a church of thousands, a diverse church of thousands that surrounds and saturates our town, we're being more intentional still about how we do discipleship. So myself, along with other leaders in the church, are working on a new discipleship pathway. We're thinking through kind of what happens when people first come into the church and how we can signpost them towards a great next step for them. And I want to tell you about some of the things that we've seen over the past few months. Some of these things are kind of small seeds, but I think these, these things are worth celebrating. So you saw that chapter one um, uh, mentioned in the video earlier. This is our new discipleship experience. Now we've called it chapter one because we want this to be the first thing that people come into when they come to King's. And the first step in, a, in an amazing new adventure of following God, whatever their past is, no matter how many years they've been following Jesus, or whether they're completely new to the faith, we want this to be their first step in a new adventure of following Jesus. And I want to explain just a little bit about it. See, this chapter one has come from Kenya originally, and then from a, a church in the States that adapted the material. It was called Rooted at the time. And now what we've done is we've taken the material and we've adapted it and rewritten it for our culture and our context. And we ran it for the first time last term. And chapter one is built around seven rhythms. Can I get these seven rhythms on the screen? That would be really helpful. And why do I call these things rhythms? Can we, can we, can we put them all up there? That's, that's great. Thank you. These are rhythms because we, these are things that, that we want every single disciple, every single follower of Jesus to be doing kind of almost naturally. That, these, that we'd be in this kind of flow of doing these things day after day after day. If you've ever seen a good swimmer, any of you good swimmers out there? Really, really good swimmers. Good. So I, I, I love to watch um, a good swimmer because they're in this kind of flow. They're in this kind of rhythm and it looks effortless. Now I know that it's not effortless to swim. Because I, I swim sometimes and my stroke can be kind of chaotic and I get tired after a couple of lengths. But a good swimmer is in this flow, they're in this rhythm. And that's what we want disciples of Jesus to be like. That they're in these rhythms of doing these things. So let's look at these rhythms. The first one is the rhythm of scripture. That we're all regularly reading the Bible together and on our own, day in and day out, not, not as a kind of legalistic thing, not because someone told us to, but because we know that actually reading the Bible gives us life, that actually when we read the Bible, God speaks to us, and he underlines things and, and highlights things, and that we'd be disciples who are obedient to what the Bible says, that we look at the Bible for the standard of how we live, that whatever we're facing in life, we say, well, what does Jesus say about this? That we'd be regularly reading scripture, that we'd be in this rhythm of prayer, that we're regularly praying to God, 
that this would be a natural part of our walk with him. Pete Gregg talked about this um, brilliantly on Wednesday, that actually what kind of a relationship is it with God if we're not walking with him and talking to him and listening to him? So that as disciples of Jesus, we'd be in this regular rhythm of prayer, setting aside time to talk with him and listen to him. That we'd be in this rhythm of power, looking for opportunities to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that actually as we live out our lives, we have a reliance on him, expecting the supernatural things to break in as we walk around our town. Simon Holly talked about this on that first Tuesday night. Worth, really worth listening to that talk if you weren't there that night. But understanding the authority we have as sons and daughters of the King. That we'd be in a rhythm of worship. That our whole lives would be an intentional act of worship to him. What we do with our thoughts, what we do with our voices, how we use our bodies. It would all be an act of worship to God. That we'd be in a rhythm of freedom. That we'd be choosing day after day to walk in the truth. To be able to discern between what is a lie and what is truth. And to, to believe that what God says about us, that's the thing that matters. That's the truth. That we'd be in a rhythm of generosity. That actually as a result of what Jesus has done for us, that we would be radically generous people. Counterculturally generous people. We'd be generous with our homes. Generous with our possessions, our stuff. Generous with our times. Generous with our whole lives. And that we'd be in a rhythm of reaching out to people. That actually as part of us growing as disciples of Jesus would be that we're making other disciples. Now I'd love to see all these things in my own life. And I'm not living like that right now. I know that I'm not in all these rhythms, but I would love to get there. And I'd love us all to be living out these rhythms. And you know, as we've, as we've seen a bit of people coming through chapter one, this term, we're starting to see real fruit from this thing. So we had 30 people at our Alpha course back in the spring term. And 20 of those people who came through Alpha joined with another 20 people from the church to do chapter one last term. And people that have come through chapter one have said they've started to find real community. Richard and Nancy Moore, I don't know if they're here this morning, they were, they've talked about their story. It's in Life at Kings if you want to read it. But Nancy told me before they did that, before they were part of Alpha and chapter one, They didn't feel like they were known at all in the church. But now they feel like they're known. Now they've found community. We had Exploring Baptism last Sunday. We've got people there who have done Alpha and have done Chapter 1 and are now excited about getting baptised next month. So we're starting to see real fruit as a result of things like Chapter 1. And you know that of course is just the start of a journey. Because some of us aren't new to faith. Some of us have been walking with Jesus for years. Well... As people come through chapter one, we want to encourage them to be able to take other steps that can help them to explore these rhythms more. So if people come through chapter one and think, actually, I'm doing the rhythm of freedom. Maybe this is a big area for me that I want to explore more. We'll we'll signpost them towards things like freedom in Christ, other freedom ministries where they can explore more. And I would love the whole of this church to go through chapter one over these next three or four years. And the reason I say that is because actually these rhythms are foundational to all of us. No matter how long we've been walking with Jesus, actually all of us need to be walking in these things day after day. Again, not as a legalistic thing, but because this is the life that we've been freed for. This is the life that Jesus has won for us, this life of rhythm. And you know, we want to see this right through the church. That the youngest to the oldest... Oh, sorry about that. (laughs) Did you get that sound? 
Sorry, sorry. I'll try, I'll try not to move too much. Okay, but the youngest to the oldest disciples of Jesus are living in this rhythm. Wouldn't it be amazing if we had kids who are following the Bible day after day, who start their, their school day by saying, actually, how does Jesus want me to live today? Wouldn't it be incredible if we had young adults being raised as leaders in all areas of life? And teenagers who are so courageous that it shakes the church, that it shakes their schools, because they understand who they are in Jesus. That they're not having to kind of question their identity day after day, but that they understand the authority they have, and that they walk with him. Can you imagine, if we were like that, as a church, can you imagine the impact on our church and on our town? And you might be thinking, well, how, how do I fit with this? How can I be part of this? If you're still fairly new to Kings, if you've arrived in the past couple of months, I, I would love you to come to our, our newcomers lunch next Sunday, just as a kind of simple next step. There you can kind of come and meet people in the church, meet some of the leaders, and we'll talk with you about how you can get connected into the church. But if you've been here a while, if you've been following Jesus for many years, I want to ask you the question this morning, what are you doing intentionally to grow? What are you doing to grow? See, the church can provide an environment for growth. We can provide kind of programs and experiences and pathways, but we each have to be rooted in to be able to grow. We each have a responsibility for our own discipleship. So what steps are you taking right now to grow yourself and to grow others? See, in my experience, and you'll know this if you've been walking with Jesus for, for any length of time, growing as a disciple isn't about working out how to do complicated things. It's about working out how to do the simple things day in, day out. Particularly in the pace of life that we live in, setting aside time to read the Bible Making time to talk and to listen to God, surrendering to Him, reflecting on the way we've responded in a day. See, I tend to approach spiritual disciplines, as I said, in the same way that I approach swimming. I can kind of go at things really hard for a while, thinking I'm going to read the Bible this year, write through the Bible in a year, and then by the end of January, I'm kind of two weeks behind and it all falls apart. But growing in Jesus is about doing the simple things right day after day. By making our acts intentional until they become habitual. Discipleship, I believe, is a lifelong journey of saying yes to Jesus. And you know, if all this seems like just kind of more things to do, I want to remind us of who it is that we come to, of what Jesus is like. I want to show you the message version of Matthew 11, verse 28. I love this. I want you to hear this this morning. If you feel like actually your life has become kind of a bit out of balance, if Maybe things have got so stressful that, that you find it really hard to fit this stuff in in your day. I want to just read this to you. I think for some, this is actually God speaking directly to you this morning. I felt that as I was preparing, that there's a prophetic thing here. Actually, I think God wants to underline some of these things for some people in the church today. He says this, Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. 
keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. I love that. Unforced rhythms of grace. Actually, this is unpressured. This is unforced. This is, when it comes down to it, just walking daily with Jesus. Walking daily with Jesus and all the while being confident that he who began a good work in us will bring it to completion. You know, with this simple stuff day after day, you don't necessarily see yourself growing. But it's like watching fruit on a tree. When you watch fruit on a tree, you don't see it growing at the time. It's only at the end of the season that you look back and notice that this fruit had grown. But it's just about being rooted in him. So what simple steps are you taking to grow in your relationship with Jesus? And are you in community? Are you in community? Because you know, in a church of our size, it's so easy to drift. It's so easy to drift. One or two Sunday mornings away from church can easily become the new normal. It can easily become the new kind of pattern in our lives. Or just deciding, actually, I'm going to take a term or two away from small groups. Well, that can easily become a couple of years of not being part of community. So are you part of community? Because drift leads to distance. And distance leads to disconnection. And the more isolated we become, the more likely we are to stall in our growth. We tend to drift spiritually when we're not connected relationally. You know, we were made for community with others. We were never meant to walk this walk alone. It was always meant to be that we were part of community. I think I'm making funny noises. I'm going to just swap my mic for a second. (laughs) Ethan, can I get the hand on mic? Is that right? Thank you. Thank you, Ethan. Don't our tech team do just an amazing job on Sunday morning? Can we just thank our tech team? Is that better? Because I'm sorry if that was hurting your ears for a while. So are you part of community? Are you part of a small group? Are you, are you engaged in community? I love what um, Paul writes earlier Um, in his letter to the Colossians he says this I want you to know how hard I'm contending for you how hard I'm contending for you I love that Paul says he's contending for these people and one of the reasons for that is I, I love that Paul doesn't even know these people necessarily but he's contending for their discipleship he's desperate for them to grow because for Paul Jesus was everything Jesus was everything, and so discipleship was everything. And these people in this Colossian church, who Paul didn't know, he contended for their discipleship. Because he believed in the transformative power of the gospel. And so he contended for them. He fought for them. He prayed for them. And I want to ask you, I want to challenge you really, who are you contending for? Whose discipleship matters to you? Who are you praying for? Who are you encouraging to grow? Who are you meeting with regularly? You know, we have many oaks of righteousness in this church. Oaks of righteousness in this church. People who've been walking with God for many, many years. And you may not see yourself as an oak of righteousness. You may have been following other people in the church for years. Well, now God says to you, actually, no, you are an oak of righteousness in this church. And the challenge I want to make to you this morning is don't keep that wealth of experience to yourself. All that experience of seeing God at work in your lives, the way that 
he's answered promises and kept promises to you. The way he's answered prayers. The way he's been at work in your lives. Don't keep that to yourself. There is a wealth and richness of experience of God in you that God wants you to pass on to the next generation of people. We have young people and kids and young adults in this church who would benefit from the wealth of experience that you have. So I want to invite you to speak to people like Nicola, who oversees our students and young adults' work, to speak to Claire and Ben, who run our kids' work, and Andy, who runs our youth work, and to find out how you can get alongside those people. Because you are an oak of righteousness. If you've been walking with Jesus for any length of time, he's been at work in your life. And the challenge to you is to, is to pass that on to the next generation of people. So are you growing yourself, and are you growing others? Why does any of this matter? Why does discipleship matter? Well, it matters, first of all, because people matter. It matters because you matter. Do you know, you matter to the Father. You are known by the Father. He loves you, and he knows you. And he's so set on seeing you transformed into the likeness of Jesus because he has great plans and purposes for your life. You know, the dreams and the hopes and the plans that you have for your life, they're nothing compared to the plans that the Father has for you. He has great plans for your life, great adventure for your life, a life that is rooted in community and purpose and freedom. He loves you. And so he doesn't want you to stay where you are. He's desperate for you to grow. The same zeal that he had to see you saved, to rescue you, he has that same zeal to see you transformed into the likeness of Jesus. He wants you to grow. He loves you. Our discipleship matters because we matter. And our discipleship matters because our town matters. I wonder how you feel about High Wycombe. How you feel about this place. Maybe this is a yeah, very positive feelings about Wycombe. Or maybe not so positive. I, I came to Wycombe in 2005. We were meant to be here for a year. That was my plan. We'd come from Cornwall. Love growing up in Cornwall. Beautiful down there by the sea. But you know, this is where God has called me to be. And I love this place. And now, whenever we go back to Cornwall, I miss High Wycombe. I miss Wycombe. Because God has called me here. And God has placed me here. And God has a plan and a purpose for my life that is here with the people here. And it's the same for you. Whatever your plans and your hopes for your future are, whatever dreams you have about where God might take you in the future, he has placed you here now. And he has a plan and a purpose for you here. And I want to encourage you, get knitted in and take the steps to grow yourself, to be grown by Jesus, because he's got a plan and purpose for you here. I want to end with a quote from Dallas Willard. Dallas Willard is an American philosopher and he writes this. I think this is a really challenging quote for us. He writes, The greatest issue facing the world today with all its heartbreaking needs is whether those who by profession or culture are identified as Christians will become disciples, students, apprentices, practitioners of Jesus Christ, steadily learning from him how to live the life of the kingdom of the heavens into every corner of human existence. You know, our town has heartbreaking needs. Some of it is very obvious. Things like homelessness and addictions and people caught up in all kinds of sexual exploitation. Things we're starting to address corporately as a church. But we all know 
that there's heartbreaking needs behind every door, in every family, in every person's situation. We know that with the people that we live with, the people in our families, our friends, our neighbours, our work colleagues, there's heartbreaking needs. What's the answer to that? Well, you might say the answer is Jesus. Well, yes, the answer is Jesus, but the answer is also Jesus' disciples. Radically obedient, courageous, joy-filled people who have the compassion of Jesus and are prepared to walk with people, to grow in their faith and to grow others, to see this life change for him, this town change for him. Do we want to see that? Do we want to see this town changed, transformed for Jesus? Do we want to see that? I think we do, don't we? (laughs) That we're to be a, a diverse church of thousands that would surround and saturate our town with the love of Jesus. To do that, then first we need to be surrounded and saturated with the love of Jesus for ourselves. I want to encourage us, church, let's get saturated with the love of Jesus for his glory, for the sake of our own transformation, and for the sake of this town. Amen? Amen. Richard.